0: The reading is from Luke's Gospel, chapter 1, starting at verse 39. That's on page 1026. 1026. It's Luke chapter 1, starting at verse 39. At that time, Mary got ready and hurried to a town in the hill country of Judea, where she entered Zachariah's house and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, the baby leaked in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. In a loud voice she exclaimed, Blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favoured, that the mother of my Lord should come to me. As soon as the sound of your greeting reached my ears, the baby in my womb leaped for joy. Blessed is she who has believed that the Lord would fulfil his promises to her. And Mary said, My soul glorifies the Lord, and my spirit rejoices in God my Saviour. He has brought down rulers from their thrones, but has lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but has sent the rich away empty. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised our ancestors. Mary stayed with Elizabeth for about three months and then returned home. Thank you. Let's
1: keep that open, and now why don't we bow our heads and pray as we come to look at that uh, passage from Scripture more closely. Heavenly Father, we thank you for your word, the Bible. Thank you that you have graciously chosen to reveal yourself and your ways to us in this book. I pray that as we open this passage now and uh, unwrap it a bit, that you would help us to understand it, that we might know you better and live lives that are pleasing to you in every way. For Jesus' sake, amen. Well, uh, this week saw a key moment in history, didn't it? Uh, Love it or hate it, the general election certainly was a very decisive event, and no doubt we'll live through more significant historical moments in the coming weeks and months as the government seeks to implement its uh, manifesto, will leave the European Union, and all the parties will come to terms with their new positions. Some were winners this week, some were losers and have lost their seats, or their leadership authority. And in other places, I imagine there has been quite a lot of singing and rejoicing. Well, in our reading today, Mary, the Virgin Mother, has come to visit her relative Elizabeth. Both of them are pregnant. Elizabeth is carrying a baby boy, John the Baptist, uh, who will prepare the way for Mary's son, Jesus. So as she stands there with Elizabeth, Elizabeth and Mary together, we have there one of the most significant turning points in all of history. We have there in one room at the same time, the high point of the Old Testament and the beginning of something new and far, far greater. See, John the Baptist was the greatest prophet of the old constitution. Jesus himself later said, truly I tell you, among those born of women, there has not risen anyone greater than John the Baptist. And yet he also said, that the most insignificant Christian is greater than he. So obviously something startlingly new has arrived. It is a key moment in history. Elizabeth, who's full of the Holy Spirit, it says, declares that Mary and her child are blessed. And so it's no surprise that Mary too is lifted up and carried along by the Holy Spirit. And she sings a song. It's sometimes known by its Latin name, the Magnificat, because she magnifies the Lord. She glorifies him. Uh, If you've got a long memory, you may remember when the Labour Party won an election back in 1997, and they sang that song. Do you remember? Things can only get better. Uh, Do you remember that song? That told us something about how they were feeling at that moment, what they thought was happening, a new mood. I hear they did also sing that song on Thursday this week in Conservative Party headquarters when Tony Blair's old constituency fell to a Conservative. And no doubt the resonances were clear, the illusions were clear. They told us what they thought was going on. Something is being communicated by that, if you know the history. And in a similar way, Mary's song at this crucial turning point tells us some important things about what is happening to her, and she's not ignorant of history as she sings. It's what Mary's song says about God that is most important here, and we'll come to that in a moment, but isn't it wonderful to ponder the fact that at the dawning of salvation for the world, the most astonishing act of God's mercy and grace towards us was the moment that he came into this young woman's life. It started in a tiny way with this poor and vulnerable girl. But she's not wrong, is she, when she says, from now on, all generations will call me blessed. Because what began in her then will become the most earth-shattering, universe-shaping event of all time. Christmas the incarnation. God became man. Mary, however, who's saturated in the words of the, uh, and the songs of the Old Testament, expresses it a little differently. Let's look at what she says in her song, her poem, her carol, her Christmas carol. Uh, there's no reason, I don't think, to doubt that Mary really did write this She's carried along by her intimate knowledge of the songs of the Bible. You know, just like all teenagers are uh, are sort of full of the words of the songs around them. You should see my girl singing along to Taylor Swift. Um, And that's what happens, isn't it? You you get to know the songs that people sing around you. So Mary, too, knows that idiom. She knows how to sing like that. And as she meditates on what's going on within her and through her, She can't help but burst into poetry inspired by the psalms and the songs earlier on in the Bible. If you came to jazz carols last week, you remember we sang that beautiful song, Mary, did you know? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would one day walk on water? Mary, did you know that your baby boy would calm the storm with his hand? Well, let's see what Mary really did know because she's going to tell us as we unwrap this Christmas carol that she herself sang. I think we can boil it all down to, uh, to three points, and of course, I'm a preacher, I think everything can be boiled down to three points, and they all begin with the same letter. You'll find them on the back of the handout if you want to follow along, uh, and I think what she's saying as she sings is this, praise God for what he's doing for me, praise God for what he's doing for everybody, and thirdly, praise God that he keeps his promises. So praise God for what he's done for me. Praise God for what he's doing for everyone. And praise God that he keeps his promises. So firstly then, praise God for what he's done for me, for Mary. Mary begins by bigging up God. My soul glorifies the Lord, she says. And my spirit rejoices in God, my Savior. You know, she must have pondered these things a lot on her way to to go and see her aunt Elizabeth, don't you think? Something wonderful has happened to me, but I wonder if anyone will even believe me. Will Elizabeth believe me? You know, this is not just some embarrassing teenage pregnancy. But when she gets there, now she can just suddenly blurt it all out, and here it comes. God has been good to me. He's amazing. He's come to save. And she's very much aware that as God the Savior, he has come to save the humble and the lowly. Do you see that? he's been mindful of the humble state of his servant, she sings. He doesn't look down on me because I'm poor or weak or young or inexperienced. He cares for me because I'm fragile and vulnerable. From now on, all generations will call me blessed, for the mighty one has done great things for me. Holy is his name. She's blessed, she says. She didn't deserve this grace and this mercy and the generosity from God. She didn't do anything to earn her place in history, in God's plan, or merit her fame throughout all the world. The Holy One, the Mighty One, has done great things for her. He's holy, he's set apart, he's completely different to us. And the all-powerful, perfect God stooped so low as to bless this poor, vulnerable young girl, who's just a sinner, like we are. Mary, did you know that the child that you deliver will one day deliver you? Well, yeah, I think she did know that from her song. She praises God for being such a great God and blessing her, so I think she's an example to each and every one of us of the faithful, humble disciple Mary is an example to us all. She trusts God's word to her. And through her, uh, she is given the most intimate and special part in God's plan for the universe. But it doesn't puff her up with thoughts of how great she is, does it? I mean, look, she doesn't say anything here about being immaculate or sinless or the Queen of Heaven. Nothing here about how she can pray for us or mediate with God for us. No, all of this causes her not to puff herself up, but to puff God up. To think gigantic thoughts about him and how gracious he is. And that's how we ought to think too, isn't it? Obviously. So if God has, has given any of us a, a gift of some kind, music or speaking or praying, giving, being good at admin or motherhood or being good at our jobs or our studies. What an opportunity to thank God for his greatness and his kindness to us, not to praise ourselves, to magnify and glorify ourselves, but to magnify and exalt him. I mean, what do we have anyway that didn't come from him in the first place? But even more than that, if Christ has done great things for us. Saving us by dying in our place on the cross. Being raised to life again so that we can have a fresh start and real forgiveness, which the world doesn't know. Praying for us even now at the right hand of the Father so that we will keep believing and trusting in him even when the world thinks that's pretty crazy. If he's done all of that for us, then it's not because we're so brilliant. It's not because... Jesus approves so much of our shiny Christian lives, our shiny Cambridge lives, and our, what is it, comfortable, waitrose spirituality. Uh, There's nothing much to praise about us, is there, particularly? But we can magnify God and make it all about how brilliant he is for being mindful of our humble, lowly, weak, and feeble state. So that's my first point. Mary praises God for what he has done for her. Secondly, she praises God for what he's now doing for everyone. That's uh, verse 50 onwards, if you're following along in the Bible, verse 50. Praises God for what he's doing for everyone. So from this point onwards in her song, Mary turns to consider the spectacular things that God is doing, not for her, but through her, for the world. There's a sort of general universal scope to what she says here, general applicability to all. She says, God's mercy extends to those who fear him from generation to generation, she sings. It's not just me that uh, he's being merciful to. It's everyone who fears him for all time. Now, that's not kind of fear as in terror, you know, as in the, the, the frightened face emoji. Now, God doesn't want us to be terrified of him, but who he is and what he's done calls for deep respect. It calls for profound reverence. And the Bible often calls that awe and reverence, fear. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Having a proper attitude towards God is the beginning of something special. And so it is here. She says, He extends His mercy to all those who fear Him from generation to generation. All are included, no matter when they're born. You know, you sometimes hear people say that uh, children are the future of our church. I don't think that's true. I don't believe that. I think children are part of the church now because it's for all generations who fear Him to young, to old, to Mary, and to Elizabeth. We can all experience that mercy. We all need that mercy. What has he done exactly? Well, Mary says, He has performed mighty deeds with his arm. He has scattered those who are proud in their inmost thoughts. That's a great picture, isn't it? I mean, think about it technically. I mean, God is a spirit, so he doesn't really have an arm as such. But but Mary pictures him here, literally kind of rolling up his sleeves, bearing his holy arm, so he can come down and get dirty and help us. That's how she pictures it. And actually, the way that, that God really does save is by clothing himself in our frail human flesh inside Mary's womb. So now god the son literally does have an arm a tiny fragile arm but he's going to perform mighty deeds with it especially when at the end of the story of course he stretches out those arms on the cross to save us who does he save who gets the benefit of of all this power not the proud not the proud, not those who in their inmost thoughts, in their heart of hearts, think that they deserve it. He scatters those people, it says, but he gathers his own. Who are they? Verse 52, he has brought down rulers from their thrones, but he's lifted up the humble. He has filled the hungry with good things, but he sent the rich away empty. You see, God does not help those who help themselves. That might be what people say, but that isn't what Mary says in her song. God helps those who help themselves. It's a very British heresy, isn't it? You know, stiff upper lip, earn your keep, pull your socks up, and God will help you if you do your best. But the genius of what Mary says here is, is that it's so different. She recognizes that God helps those who can't help themselves. He lifts up the humble. He fills the hungry. And those those who are spiritually all self-sufficient, he brings them down and sends them away empty. Now I know it's it's pretty easy for us to, to think that all of this applies to somebody else, someone out there. I mean, we're not rich for arrogance like uh, some people we could mention. So God will like us, won't he? Surely. But Mary is telling us to have a right perception of ourselves in the eyes of God. I mean, outwardly, I can see you all here, outwardly to everyone else, we look okay, we may look strong and with it, well-dressed, beautiful, successful people, straight out of a Bowden catalogue many of you, but it's only when we're honest in our inmost hearts and confess our failures, our guilt, our inability, that God can then save us. He helps those who can't save themselves. He lifts up the humble of heart and fills those who are hungry to know him more and more. Is that, is that you? Does that describe you? Does that describe us, as a church? Do we rejoice like Mary in a God who is like this, or would we really rather prefer He was different and blessed those who deserved it? Do we rejoice that He saves those who are weak and feeble, and unimportant and imperfect? that he brings them into his plans and his purposes, however uncomfortable that may be for us sometimes. Now, they say you, you can choose your friends, but you can't choose your family. Well, God has chosen his friends, the humble and the hungry. And they are now your family too, if you are one of them, if you are one with him. And that's the case whichever way you voted on Thursday. So don't panic, okay? The thing to do after an election at any time of year is not to panic if there's somebody in your life or in the nation who seems to loom large right now, who seems to be on the throne, who seems to be in control of your happiness and our destiny, a leader, a boss, a colleague, a relative who's coming to visit at Christmas, a friend. God brings down the mighty from their thrones, He wants to rule. He wants to be your leader, your boss. And he is willing to fight for you. That's what it says. That's why he sent Jesus, to win us back from the petty tyranny of those who want to control us and be in charge of us for their own plans and purposes. And so Mary praises God for what he's done for her, And she sings to God because he's doing great things for everyone, everyone who fears him and humbles themselves under his mighty hand. That joy that she feels at God's grace, at God coming to be with her and in her, that is a joy and a blessing that each one of us can experience too. Because he blessed her in this way, because God became human inside her, at that very moment in history, we can have joy bursting out of us too. Finally, Mary praises God that he is remembering his promises. She praises God that he always keeps his covenant, she says. Uh, Have a look at verse 54. He has helped his servant Israel, remembering to be merciful to Abraham and his descendants forever, just as he promised to our ancestors. So, from like a universal feel to everything, you know, he brings down the rulers and fills the hungry. We finally turn now to a very specific manifesto pledge. Mary thanks God that he is remembered his age-old promise to Abraham, the father of the Jewish people. Just to put that in context, that is about 2,000 years before Mary was even born. God said that he would never forget. But you know, centuries go by and you sometimes begin to wonder. Yet God was always working his purposes out slowly, but surely. He had never forgotten what he said to Abraham right back in the first book of the Bible. In Genesis chapter 12, he promised Abraham that he would bless him and through him the whole world, through his descendants. He promised Abraham that through him and his descendants, the global effects of Adam and Eve's sin would be wiped out, cleaned up, and reversed. The blessing would come to a twisted, spoiled world full of corruption and evil that really only deserve God's judgment more than anything else. Now, God had partially fulfilled that promise throughout the Old Testament. He watched over Abraham's family, the people of Israel, in Egypt, when they grew numerous but were persecuted by Pharaoh. In the desert, once they'd escaped from Egypt, as we looked at in in this term in the book of Numbers. In the promised land, once they got there, he watched over them. He protected them. Through all the ups and downs, all the highs and lows, he never forgot what he had said about how he would bring blessing to the world through them. So that's the the kind of big overarching storyline of the entire Bible And the astonishing thing here is that this seemingly insignificant, inconvenient pregnancy, what's happening right now inside Mary, is the fulfillment of that magnificent campaign promise made 20 centuries before. Mary knows that this is happening to her. This is the moment that God comes good on his promise. He's come to save his people. And to bring blessing to the world. And he's going to do that through her son, the Lord Jesus. That is breathtakingly arrogant of her to to say that, isn't it, really? Breathtakingly arrogant. Like politicians who are always proclaiming themselves the new Messiah. But Mary's aunt Elizabeth here calls the child my Lord. I mean, that's ridiculous. Or it's gloriously true that here, protected in the darkness of Mary's womb, is the one who is destined to bring life and light to the entire world. You know, if Mary could trust the promise that God had made 2,000 years before she was even born, how much more can we trust her son, who has, over the last 2,000 years, proven beyond doubt that he is the fulfillment of all the prophecies and all the hopes of God's people. He is the one who scatters the proud and exalts the humble. He is the one who raises up and blesses the lowly. He is mercy. He is grace. He is the way and the truth and the life. So do we sing... Like Mary, do the songs that are in our hearts day by day reflect on God's goodness to us personally? That that he should include us in his plan to unite all things in heaven and on earth under one head, Jesus Christ. Do our songs magnify and big up God because of who he is and how great he is? That he turns the world upside down and values humility and trust more than he values the outward appearance of piety and strength. Do our songs repeat the chorus of how God always keeps his promises, how he can be relied on and trusted no matter how long we have to wait and no matter how bad things may be in our lives? Do we sing like Mary, joyful and triumphant. Do we think like Mary? Do we magnify and adore the God that Mary bore? Well, let's bow our heads for a moment of quiet as we think about our own response to Mary's song. Almighty God, our Heavenly Father, who by his Spirit blessed the Virgin Mary and kept your ancient promises by sending your Son to share our flesh and blood within her, grant us true humility that, mindful of our humble estate before you, we may be lifted up in joy and praise when he comes again in his power and glory, to scatter the proud and bring down rival rulers from their thrones. For we ask in his precious name. Amen.